Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 19 of Need More Buffs. I am your host, Matt Sonnenberg. Before we get into the show today, I have a big announcement to make. The winner of our PAX East giveaway. The winner of this giveaway that we've been hosting for the past few weeks is going to win one set of PAX East badges. The winner has been randomly selected from all the valid entries, and I'm happy to announce that Ricardo Lascano is our winner. So, Ricardo, congratulations. If you will send me a DM on Twitter, we can work out the details of how we can get these badges to you, and I hope you will enjoy the convention. Now moving on to episode 19, it's a follow-up to episode 18, where we have Lifesaver and Bova joining me to talk about our our PAX South experiences. Episode 18 focused mainly on the sealed starter tournament at PAX South, but this episode is going to focus more on the constructed tournament at PAX South that was held on Sunday. The show notes for this episode, along with any deck lists or links that we may mention throughout the show, can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 019. That's deliverycrab.com slash 019. With that being said, let's jump right back into the interview. So, speaking of multiple days, we were there multiple days. True. And Sunday was our constructed tournament. This is something that we basically got to experience the same thing at PAX Unplugged and we were just kind of uh, going for our second chance here at PAX South. Unfortunately, I don't think any of us fared quite as well as we did at PAX Unplugged. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... I made top eight. I was actually... I beat Chris, which was awesome. Um, (laughs) I was undefeated until the last round of the Swiss and then I went to time. Okay. Uh, and I lost in time. Uh, my deck, which we'll get into, can't really do damage when you get to three turns. <laughs> like it, <laughs> it takes four turns for me to do any damage whatsoever, um, okay. unless I happen to get two of my combos in my hand. So it's really bad for the the whole three turn thing. Mm-hmm. So, so that didn't work out so well when I went to time. Why don't we just start with you then? If you want to give us a quick rundown of your deck, and then we'll talk about it. Sure. So. This deck, um, I had a little bit more time to think about than my last one uh, at Unplugged. It was like two days. So I've been thinking about you know, different decks to play, and I wanted to do something fun that wasn't you know just something that I'd seen before. I just wanted to create something fun. So I basically I, I did a Dolo deck, uh, Dolo the Mighty, which is he takes two damage and draws two cards, which is a pretty strong effect. We'll start with the cards here. So uh, he's Superior Crystal. So I went with, um, I had one Crystal Core, the item, uh, three Stubborn Everrock, three Geode Hatchling, three Crystal Leech, two Prism Cannon, and one Colossi Ritual Site. And then for Earth, I had Enchanted Soil, I had three. Um, I had three Mountain Forts, and three Boulder Feasts. I had zero Fire Cards. Um <laughs> And uh, unaligned, I had one blacksmith, and then I had uh, soul. So for soul, which is a nature uh, element, I had singing blade. I had two of those, and I had two spectral webs, 
and three root singers. And then for the combos, I had Crushing Blow, Stream of Tontos, Wrath of the Mountain, Impenetrable Force, and Prism Cannon Mark II. So when you were building this deck, like I know you said you you wanted to be fun, something you hadn't seen before, but what what was the idea behind this deck? Like, what did you want it to do? Sure. So I basically, I started out with a different thing that I was trying to do, but it took a lot more cards. It's basically a combo. Like, you get the cards that you want together, and then once I get them in play, you're pretty much done. Like, there's not much you can do when everything gets into play. So the combo is, um, I play Prism Cannon. Okay which takes, um, you know, it's X, 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 and then eight damage. So play the prism cannon. And I usually just, you know, wait a turn, hope you don't kill it. And then um, I play a spectra web, which is uh, the first three corners prevents your bust from being removed or returned. Yes. So then after that, I don't really have to do anything the next turn, which is nice. I can throw down a mountain forward or, you know, something like that or an enchanted soil, but I don't need to do anything there. And then when you get to the turn before, um, if you have it, you play the Colossi Ritual Site, which is just X and then three. And then that three is three increased damage and three reduced damage. So that lines right up with the Prism Cannon. So when that hits, it does 11 damage, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the Spectral Web is still on the last corner, so they can't remove anything. And so that feels pretty good. And then you play a Stubborn Everrock. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when it gets dirty. Um, you play a Stubborn Everrock, which prevents your buffs from rotating. All the buffs except for Stubborn Everrock. Mm-hmm. So then next turn, the only buff that rotates out is Stubborn Everrock. Yes. And you have three damage reduction, you're doing increased damage, and then you're doing 11 damage every single turn. Which in most cases, you know, three or four turns, they're done. The cool thing is you don't have to have all the Stubborn Everrocks, because if you play a Stubborn Everrock and it goes right into your discard pile when it rotates out, I also have Geode Hatchlings, Mm. which work like extra Everrocks. Yep. So then you play the Hatchling, and it does four damage if you have your Ritual Sight out, because it does one plus the three, and then it puts the Stubborn Everrock back in. And then because the Stubborn Everrock's there, nothing rotates, and you have the reduced damage, so you can Dolo um, ability and draw two cards without taking any damage. So basically, you draw two cards every turn, and you can play a card, draw two cards every single turn, and then you're doing 11 damage every turn, and they can't do much damage to you, because you either have three or six or one game I had nine damage reduction out with the mountain forts. Wow. Um, yeah, so there's not a whole lot you can do um, at that point. And then if if someone gets low, you can always just play a Crushing Blow or Wrath of the Mountain or something like that if you have those cards to just kind of finish it at that point. But uh, the Root Singers, uh, the other reason that Soul is in there, the Root Singer, you have a bunch of buffs out, so you're going to have more buffs than your opponent, mm-hmm. and you get two cards back from your discard. So I would get stubborn Everrocks and, you know, geo hatchlings. And then I could basically do that for 12 turns. So you're taking over 120 damage. It's really hard to survive all that. Yeah. I don't Chris, think anyone has 120 healing in their deck. So, uh, Chris did it. Um, <laughs> he survived, I think 10 or 11 turns of wow. that on board. Um, 
he we had play tests together and he put uh the um class i artifact <laughs> which reduces the damage down to four sure. and then he put like behind it he put damage reduction so it would it would knock it down to four and then it would only yeah, end up like it. two yeah. or four yeah. you know so it was that's a lot easier to heal through i have another trick that i can do to get around that too because that doesn't affect combos so the reason prism cannon mark two is in there is there's another combo you can do where you play you play the Spectra Web, and you play the Prism Cannon on the same turn. So you can't remove them. And then the next turn, you play the Prism Cannon Mark II. And then the following turn, you play a Stubborn Everrock before anything hits, which doesn't affect the Mark II, but it affects the other Prism Cannon and the um, Spectra Web. So those slow down by a turn, and they line up with the Prism Cannon Mark II. So then the next couple turns... Um, the prism, then the prism cannon and the um, Mark II hit on the same turn, and you do a ton of damage all at once. Yeah. Especially if you're able to get the ritual site out there, you do 30 damage, and then you can stubborn ever rock that if you want, or you can just play a combo like a different combo after that, and basically do 40 damage in a turn. So that's a, that's a way to get through that type of thing. So that is, that is fun. I can imagine now. My biggest question is, like, were you able to not only get those cards in hand every game, but get that in play then? Yeah, so Dolo helps a ton with that because mm-hmm. he draws two cards, sure. which is great. Um, the other thing that I did was that mainly, like, my deck is survivability and then that combo stuff. Yeah, um, yeah a lot I of noticed the... that, like, all your Earth cards are just to survive. Right. And the other thing I would do a lot, like, if I'm playing a really aggressive deck, is I would actually just use the Geode Hatchlings defensively and put Enchanted Soils and Mountain Forts back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I could Root Singer for Boulder Feasts to get more healing. So I those cards can be used for the combo, but if they're playing an aggressive deck, then I don't really need the combo to be out there more than like two or three turns. So I use the Hatchlings and the Root Singers and everything. Uh, I even use a Spectra Web just to protect my defensive buffs um, to survive until I get the cards I need to kill them so that gave an extra level of (laughs) things you could do the first version of the deck actually used um uh name slips my mind but there's one that sets your everrock carver it sets your health to 15 gives you an additional action so i was stubborn everrocking that Mm -hmm. and then using attack cards but you needed way too many attack cards and like the number of cards you needed to do your combo was just so much and i just realized hey i can just do 11 damage every turn and that seems pretty good too yeah that's that, that that's pretty awesome i i don't know if i would have come up with that whole system myself like i, I i'm guessing it you none of your games went too quickly because you had to get that setup in there I, i'm assuming they kind of dragged out a little bit well, I had the element of surprise. <laughs> People knew what I was doing, but <laughs> I had to realize pop- you could replicate it over and over. Yeah, well, like the game, the game that I played on stream didn't last too long uh, because I just basically, as soon as I got the cards, I just played out the you know the prism cannon, and if they don't remove it, you just get the combo going and you're good to go. So. Um, I really only needed like one stubborn Everrock, and you didn't really need to make sure you had too many of the cards, just like one or two, because you're drawing two cards every turn, and I have so many ways to get them. So it was basically get your spe- get your swing your singing blade out, 
and then have Spectra Web, Prism Cannon, and at least a Stubborn Everrock or two, or a Stubborn Everrock and a Geode Hatchling, which is not that hard to do. My losses in the top eight, so I lost in the, the first round of the top eight. Uh, the first game, I didn't draw any of my Boulder Feasts <laughs> for healing. And then the uh, the other game, I didn't draw any of my buff removal. <laughs> so that was that was rough, too. So yeah, it's really definitely. hard to get any Crystal Leeches. Just because I, I, I'm curious to see where people are at and how much they know the game. I know we still have a lot of new players that are playing in these tournaments sometimes. So did you ever have to deal with uh, your items being removed? In the tournament, I did not, thankfully. Okay. But... I did put in two singing blades for that reason. I would have I had a blacksmith in the sideboard to replace one of the singing blades if I wasn't playing against mountain because if I'm playing against uh you know weapon master if someone puts a weapon master and it puts it back in your deck so I can still get it back and exactly. do my combo. Um it's not really a huge deal if yeah, that happens that crushing blow out of the mountain deck that's yeah. when you have to worry about getting it back. Right. That's why I put the two blades in there instead of a blacksmith and just one blade. Um, and then also have the, the crystal cores in there, obviously not to give me any access to crystal. It's just so I don't die. <laughs> it's, it's just like an extra, you know, you can't just kill me from, you know, 14 or 16. So that that's really handy card to have in there when you're already running blacksmiths and stuff like that. So if you if you were to play this deck again, is there anything you think you would change about it? I was thinking about that after the tournament. I added more defensive cards to make sure I could survive, and I took out some of the combo pieces. Um, sometimes I wish that I could have gotten the combo pieces quicker, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if sacrificing you know, the healing and recovery and defensive stuff would make you be able to do the combo more. Because I think there's enough in there. Like you don't need the ritual site. There used to be, you know, two ritual sites. I took one out for a boulder feast because I wanted more healing, and it wasn't required for the combo. It was just a nice bonus. I also took out. I think I had an extra blacksmith in there or something like that to get the weapon out, and I took that out for another healing card and stuff like that. So um, I might try it just more combo-y, but I, I think it ran pretty well, and I think I. Uh, I liked it for the most part. I wish um, if Jade Wing was out, it'd be way better because Singing Blade uh, gives you superior access, which I don't think I ever used. Yeah, I didn't really need. Uh, yeah, it's just the only way to get soul into your deck. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Jade Wing lets you swap a buff in play for a buff in your hand, and then Jade Wing it heals you for four and goes back in your deck. Right? Is that that's what it does? Really cool stuff. Yeah, it's something similar to that. It's like it, yeah. it gets used up, but you don't lose it entirely. You, you, it goes you, back you, into the deck. Yeah, you can pull it again. So, yeah, and it and it swaps the buffs, which is really nice. Um, yeah, and heals because <laughs> I mean, you 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 know you're gonna swap one that's about to expire for a fresh one. So, right, it's it's all good. Yeah, it'll yeah, be, it helps you keep spectral web in play and all that stuff. So. It'll be very interesting to see what kind of decks are created when we get Jade Wing. Yeah, um, there's a few of them out there that are interesting, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if it'll be out before the next uh, next wave of cards or not. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. the time frame is on it, but we'll see. It might get banned. Who knows? <laughs> it's very powerful. <laughs> it's certainly That's possible. That's very true, too, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Look, on to Mandy. We haven't heard from you in a while. Sure. You still, um, you still with us here? Barely. I'm here, though. <laughs> All right. We had you in the tournament as well. 
But yep, I definitely was. You did not make top eight. No, no gonna, gonna rub it in. You, you're sitting out there with me. It's okay. Um, we were sitting together, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our last game of that tournament. Mm, not happy about that. Sorry. For those of you who don't know, they faced each other. It was, right before the cut yeah. to top eight, we faced each other, and I think I dream crushed him. To this day, I I feel bad about that. I'm I, I feel sad that I beat you. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm sure you do. I do, I do. I'm being serious here because I had my day on Saturday, so I was just happy to be playing on Sunday. Mm. Didn't really matter what was happening, other than the fact that I was having fun playing the game. Yeah, unfortunately, my deck just took way too long to play, and so with our with our what was it, a half hour time limit, it it just forty five. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 most of my games, I, I was about five minutes away from really activating granite, and that wouldn't yeah. change things. <laughs> so you either needed more time in the round or more cards to draw your own deck. Yeah, yeah, one or the other. So, not not the best deck for that situation, but um, it was fun it, to play it, against. It, it 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 was fun to play. I mean, I, I I'm keeping that deck around for casual games for sure because I love playing that deck. It's I, I can only imagine that it's, it's semi frustrating though, but well, at least I hope it's frustrating. Oh, it was frustrating <laughs> because I had you almost dead a bunch of times, and then you like healed up all the way, and I'm like, well, okie dokie. That's the idea. I kill you again now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I I don't know if everyone knows what granite does, but granite makes it so if you draw your entire deck, you do a bonus five damage. So you just try to draw your entire deck into your hand, and then you just win because everything does five more damage. Yes. So you were sitting <laughs> around a long time. Avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a little while to draw all thirty-five cards, though. Unfortunately, yeah. And, when... and there are cards that put stuff back in your deck, and yeah, yeah. Th- th- that was probably the worst part: is cards that put stuff back in my deck. Like, I I, I could draw through my deck fairly well, except for a couple of games when. Like my ancient miners were at the bottom of my deck, and then they were no good. So, but we're not here to talk about me right now. So, <laughs> Mandy, you had an astral deck again. I did. I played Cassini, and I had Cassini as the hero. Um, for my combos, I had anti gravity field, black hole, stellar fusion, planetary alignment, and solar wind. Um, for my attacks, I had three pathfinders three Chimchu Infiltrators, three Light Lashers, two Astral Priests, one Dimensional Hunter, and one Mirror Beast. For my defense, I had three Sun Beacons, two Shapeshifters, two Dusk Feeders, and two Yukona Tacticians. And then for my buffs, I had two Subjugators, two Dawn Stalkers, two Maid Ships, two Sun Huggers, and one Yukona Oracle. Beautiful. Yeah. So, not to take anything away from you, but did did Bova help build this one as well? Um, so the yes and no. The base of the deck is the deck. I mean, it was kind of like the one that he had played it unplugged, but we'd made a lot okay. of uh, tweaks to it as we were play testing four packs south. Um, and I'd played this deck a ton because as he was building his deck, um, we wanted to check to see like how it played against all of these other decks. Um, and Cassini was the deck that felt strongest to me, at least, um, as I was playtesting against him. 
so this it kind of evolved as I was playing with it. And then um, after the Saturday tournament, it evolved even more. Um, so I basically like I told him how I felt I wanted to make the changes. And then he like helped me make them. Sure. Um, it was probably like 60, 40 meet above. Fair enough. I, I mean, as we said multiple times now, especially with Astral, you still got to be there to pilot it. You still got to know what you're doing. So even right. even if he completely built the deck, like you had to play it. You were the one who who made it work. Yeah, and the the thing that's toughest about Astral or once you get to use it, it's also the most fun part of Astral is there's so many interactions between the discard pile and the mm-hmm. cards in hand and everything that you can do um that it's just really it's a fun type of deck to pilot. So I'm I'm glad that um, my life kind of was taken over by Astral for PAX South. <laughs> um, I had dreams about Astral cards for a couple days after the fact because my mind was just swimming with all of the Astral information. But Boba really is kind of the brains behind the operation, but I, I have to know how to pilot it. And once I get comfortable enough, I, I do make the the tweaks because um, we had the subjugator Dawn Stalker kind of set up that we discovered on Saturday, and we actually built a good portion of the deck around that in particular for Sunday. Sure. Yeah, I had known about the combo, but I didn't, I didn't have that in the build. But uh, you know, Mandy enjoyed playing it, so that you know, we added that in just to you know give some some extra cool stuff that you can do because it, it definitely feels really good when you do ten damage and then fire off a combo for twelve on the same turn. So. Sure. Um, it works really well. So something I've noticed with astral decks, especially constructed astral decks, I should say, is Cassini. Cassini seems to be the top hero, and this is one of maybe two I can think of right now. Uh, Sicario being the other one that are uncommon heroes that have kind of taken that that top notch spot in their respective orders is there have you looked at like the rare heroes i mean in in theory they should be the best out there but i I haven't really seen them and played that much so i'm i'm wondering have, have you experimented with them is there a reason why everybody goes towards cassini is that like the the only choice out there really or do you feel that that there is something wrong with the other heroes i don't think so like i like cassini um obviously i played her her him it's still debated (laughs) uh (laughs) anyway uh cassini uh you know before and i really like the ability gets around you know you having to attack because it's not an attack ability and stuff like that plus you know fixing the top of your discard is always nice but there are other like it's not the only good hero in astral um like the superior lunar isn't the best and, and you don't really use the ability that much so i don't think this is necessarily like the end-all be-all it just happens to be what what we ended up liking to play with uh i think ursa's good as well but that's also uncommon also true, um, yeah because yeah, ursa's but ursa's also superior lunar but it's draw one card face up so you get to draw the card before you play and then if it's Lunar, you heal for one, so you just kind of get some incidental healing, which is nice. The best superior is probably Gravity, uh, I would say. Constella is is rare, and Constella 
is basically you're just playing that for the the double superior, the superior solar and gravity, which are the best two to have for sure. Um, you're not probably really using the ability to heal for one. Yeah, yeah, it's kind it, of it, it, an ability, and, and that's the thing. Like I understand not wanting them for the ability necessarily, and that, that's I guess kind of why I'm wondering if if Cassini's ability is the reason why you take her over anybody else. Yes, definitely. Like, and, and also like the, the higher starting health is nice too. Okay. Uh, so it obviously is, it's nice to have a little bit, uh, higher, you know, starting health. And, um, but I think the, the main thing is like the ability. I like the ability the best on it. I don't know how you feel. Um, I definitely feel that the ability for Cassini is it, it's really strong. There's a couple times throughout the like the course of all the times that I've played with Cassini that I've had a circumstance where I'm not able to attack. Um, Cassini's ability lets me get around that. There's also a lot of times where like I don't really have anything good that I want necessarily to play in my hand, but if I get the correct element on top, then I can like just explode um, the next turn. So I'll use the Cassini ability to discard a card, get what I need to be on top of the discard pile, and then the next turn I'm able to either get them down super far or get myself healed up enough. Um, so I really I like the way the Cassini runs. I think I personally think Cassini's the strongest hero out of all of them. I don't really like any of the other astral heroes except for maybe Constella just for the double superior. Yeah, I think the cool thing about Cassini, though, is, too, you can get around the superior thing. Because a lot of times, what you run into, you're trying to finish someone off, and, and you want to play two solar cards in the same turn. Yeah. And you can't, but you can play a solar card and then discard the other one for three damage. You might also be playing someone that doesn't do a lot of buffs, so you can discard a Pathfinder, or you can discard you know, some healing if they're not really you know, doing damage to you. Like, you're playing against Trianu, and <laughs> you're at full health. <laughs> And you really, and most of the lunar cards that you want to, you know, be able to get stuff back with the infiltrator and stuff like that, or you want to do extra damage with your astral priest, you don't want to heal, but you might, it's better to use the ability to discard the card and do three damage than it is to heal for four. Um, if you're already at full health, so you might as well do some damage. So it gives you some versatility to your cards that, um, you know, are utility cards and stuff like that, that you can just turn them into damage and three damage for, an action and discarding a card is it's okay. It's not like great, but it's better than, you know, nothing. It can be great if you're setting yourself up properly though, for the next turn. Right. And that, and that's kind of what I figured why you, you, you like that ability is, is because you need to set yourself up in your opinion. Then I'm curious, would you ever consider throwing a solar or gravity item into a Cassini deck just to get the superiority? No, I wouldn't. I don't know if Boba would, but he's he's got a better brain than I do, so I'll let him answer. Um, I, I you know what? I'm not a hundred percent because there's no actual. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that item in to do that. I actually played against someone who did. They had the um, the gravity the dagger. I think. Um, they had that in there just to do superior gravity. I don't think it's it's necessarily worth it unless you have a really good reason. You're probably better off using that slot for a reality twister versus the item just for like, you know, just being able to fix the top of your, your discard would probably be better in most situations or just some other card that does something better that's not 
you know, gravity, <laughs> just a, a really good card that's going to do more than being able to play two gravity cards in the same turn. The actual items that are not out yet for Astral, there's some good ones. They're just not out, <laughs> but there are some ones that do some cool abilities. Uh, the gravity one in particular is the flight pack. It lets you draw a card if you have three or less cards at the beginning of your turn. Um, so that's really strong. So I definitely consider playing those items in an astral deck, also the shield, but they're just not out yet. <laughs> Fair enough. So getting back to your deck then, Mandy. Sure. You said it was kind of based off of Bova's deck from Unplugged. And... Um, at the, like, the, the base, base form okay. of it. Okay. It started that way and then just kind of evolved over the couple of months between Unplugged and South. Okay. Fair enough. So... Did you have in your mind some idea of what you wanted this deck to do or how you wanted it to play? I wanted it to win. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, so basically with with the deck, um, it I wanted it to run consistently so that I wasn't really kind of worried about luck as much. And I, I after Saturday, once we made the edits to the deck, I wanted to be able to set up the Subjugator, Dawnstalker, or Mage Ship combo. It, it was it was a fun deck to play and and I think that adding the subjugator um, into there, which makes it so that the other person can't attack for two turns, um, it made it so that it had a little bit more depth than the other versions of the deck that we'd played and that I'd play tested with. But pretty much every version, because we did start with the base of of Bova's deck from um, Pax Unplugged. It's always felt very consistent, and it's always just been a matter of how well can you pilot this deck, and if you pilot it well, you'll win. At least that's the way that I found it. And actually, the first game that I lost, I actually lost against someone who I think went pretty far in the tournament. I think he was in the top eight. So that was the second round that I lost, and I wasn't too upset about that. But the third round that I played, that was my second loss um, in the preliminary rounds, I lost to a play mistake that I made myself. Um, and that's one of the hardest things about playing a deck that requires you to pilot it perfectly, that if you make a play mistake, the hardest thing to come back from is kicking yourself in the butt about that play mistake. Sure. And so that's one thing that, like, me personally, that's the hardest part about tournaments of, of any size, really, that I know that I have to pilot the deck and I have to pilot the deck well. And when I make my mistakes, coming back from that, like, it's really hard. One of the, the phrases that's kind of like a, a slang in TCGs is going on tilt, where you lose and then you just keep losing because you're so mad at yourself for losing. And that actually, thankfully, didn't happen. I did win out through the rest of the preliminary rounds. Um, after I, I made my play mistake, but I, I had to take a really big, deep breath and try to not yell at myself um, because it was a simple math mistake where um, I was playing against, oh gosh, I don't even remember what, what order it was. It was someone, who, they had um, they had a damage reduction card out and I solar winded for 16 I needed to do 15 damage to kill them. They had two damage reduction out. And I completely didn't even remember that they had the damage reduction. I thought I had them dead. Yeah. And then I mathed. And then they mathed. And then they hit me for nine. And I died. <laughs> so it the the thing that's nice about Cassini and the deck, the deck that I was playing and Astral Decks in general, at least for me, 
um, is that if you pilot them well, if you know how to play the deck, and if your deck is built so that it runs consistently, you'll win. But if you make a play mistake that's something small or something large, it can really kind of just mess up everything that you're doing. Um, I feel like the tech decks that I've played, they're a lot more forgiving as far as play style goes. If you make like a small play mistake in some of the other decks that I've built and that I've played, your entire game isn't ruined. Whereas like if you play the wrong card when you're playing Astral, it could take you two or three turns just to recover from that because you've got the wrong element on top of your discard. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of uh, extra. There's an extra thing you're thinking about at all times, so it takes a little bit extra processing power to to keep track of everything you need to keep track of. Because if you have uh, Stellar Fusion out and you accidentally play a Lunar card at the end of your turn and they can remove it, that's pretty big blow, and that's something you don't really have to think about in other decks. So, uh, but if you play it well, it's definitely a reward you for playing it well. Yeah, so that's something I've kind of wondered about, though. Like, you're you're so conscious of keeping the right element on top of your deck and making sure things expire at the right time in the right order and all that that type of thing. So when someone removes some of your buffs, can you really plan for that? Like, do do you just kind of assume, like, well, they're probably going to remove these, so I can expect those to be on top if if they have the buff removal in their hand? Or do you have any kind of contingency plan for something like that? For me personally, and one of the hardest things about the deck is like having plan A, B, C, D, and E for any combination of the cards that I have and what they could possibly have. Um, It's a lot like playing chess almost because you have to think they could possibly have this card in their hand. So if my buff gets removed, I need to know that I need to play this card next. So it, it, you do have to have not just one contingency plan, but usually two or three, depending on the cards that you have in your hand. Yeah, and you have to... The other thing is the sequencing of your buffs is super important. I ran into this in my, with my deck, too, because I had to have, you know, the Stubborn Everrock on top, or, you know, I, I wanted to have a Mountain Fort instead of an Enchanted Soil on top to get back with my Geotatchling. So when you play your buffs, you have to make sure you play them in the right order, so the buff that's furthest to the right, which is the last one you played, ends up on top of the discard pile. So if they're going to expire or anything like that, you just have to be really conscious of the sequence that you play your buffs in, or you can mess yourself up. And with Astral, it's the same thing. If you play the two buffs you know, in the wrong order, and so, you know they're playing Crystal Leech because they're playing you know, Mountain, you know that that card can remove two buffs, and you have two buffs, you have to make sure they're in the right order, so the one you want on top, you know, is you probably the gravity. So you probably want the sun hugger on top instead of the maid ship. So you can play something, you know, that benefits from gravity or something. So it's super important and something else you have to think about. Yeah, and earlier versions of this deck were actually a lot less buff heavy. Um, once we made the adjustments to add the subjugator in, um, that's when we added a couple more buffs to kind of play around that. But um, the version of the deck that we were playtesting a lot before um, we went to Pack South, I think there were made ships and sun huggers and those were the only buffs that were actually in the deck so if the buffs were removed it it was like okay you can remove my made ship that means you're not going to remove my combo buff that i'm about to put out right Um, so i wasn't as worried about that at that point in time but um the thing that was nice about the deck that i played is that like 
I the buffs that I had out when I had those buffs out, I tried to line them up with the subjugator, which makes it so that they can't attack. So the only buff removal I was worried about was Thunderslug, because every other buff removal is an attack, whereas Thunderslug Thunderslug is a buff. So you spent a lot of time with this deck. You've been making changes to it over the past few months, and you've made changes to it, sounds like, that weekend. Would you make any changes to it now? I would make it a completely different deck. I really want to kind of play, and this is something completely foreign to me. Like I'm going to say words I never thought that I would actually say. I want to try to make a control deck, which it, I I would I feel kind of dirty even saying those words because I don't play control. Um, but I I really liked the way that Subjugator felt, and I really it's almost like I almost kind of want to make a deck that just makes the other person be like, why am I playing against this deck? Um, but it would be a completely different deck than the deck that has that, that we, that we've made and we've tweaked. We actually built that deck. It's really mean. It um, is really mean. It needs to be tweaked some more. Paralysis bugs. Paralysis bugs. However you pronounce it. Paralysis. You're not even the I one have, who's I have mouth paralysis. <laughs> My mouth isn't working. Um, but blinding beetles and paralysis bug and and subjugator. It's a lot of fun, and I, I think I kind of want to keep playing around with it and tweak it because I don't think that you want to lock them out from doing everything. Um, I feel like you need to focus on either buffs or or attacks as far as locking them out from doing a particular thing. But sure. it just that's kind of what we're playing around with now is is or at least that's what I'm playing around with. I'm actually building it without Bova's help, so that's another shocker. I'm building a control deck without the brain's help. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> but I actually, I've actually started playing around with some of the other orders that I'm not as familiar with. I mean, I, I'm familiar with all of them, but I just really haven't played around with, for example, Dread. Before the last couple of days, I actually hadn't really played Dread beyond the starter deck almost at all. And that's one of the things that I, I personally, I want to play every single order to know the cards inside and out. And once the the new wave comes out, I'm going to want to do the same thing. So I don't know that unless I, I build the, the Cassini deck or the astral control deck that I'm working on, I don't know that I'll be playing astral again for the next major tournaments that we're in. Yeah. If I, if I had to make any changes to it, I would probably, I would just take out the subjugators and in a couple of the buffs. Well, yeah, you'd build your deck that you uh, built yeah. it unplugged, basically. <laughs> I, I would, I would probably, <laughs> yeah, I think I would bring it back to more just like you're, you're playing the cards that are going to draw you cards and keep cycling your cards through your discard so you can chain them together. And that, I like that play style a little better. I mean, the buff combo stuff is fun and it can do some cool stuff, but um, I think the, the other one, that's how I would, I would tweak it, but I would definitely say that before adding in the Dawnstalker subjugator and just that kind of general combo, the deck did feel more consistent. Not that the not that the deck I played on Sunday was bad by any means, um, but it didn't have the same consistency that I felt the deck play with um, prior to making those tweaks. But I had so much fun playing it that I didn't even really mind that it wasn't as consistent. So I, I just I feel like. It's funny too because Bova's the brains, but our playstyles are so completely different from one another that like he's able to build these amazing decks, and then I make tweaks to them, and sometimes the tweaks are good, and sometimes they're not as good. So yeah, it's just a different style. You got to find what you like, and and then kind of roll with that. You know, yep. if you're gonna be building your deck, you just gotta make it to your play style. 
I talked to Chris about this too. He, he was saying that, you know, you just have to build it the way that you like to play or you're not going to do as well. You know, you could build the same deck, but you're not going to play it as well because you don't play that style. That's just not how your, your brain works. So you got to build a deck that's, or find a deck that fits your style. Yeah. When we were play testing for PAX South, the, like he had built his deck for Dolo and he wanted to play test against it. Cause that's a really good way to kind of figure out what the strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and he had me play the Dolo deck and it's not my play style, and I just failed at it. That's something I think. That's part of the reason I think I've stayed away from Astral. Like I, that's could I do it with a lot of thought, probably, but it just doesn't feel as natural or as fun to me to to have to, like I said, keep that that extra level of thought in there every every time with every card you're playing. It's just. Uh, not something I'm prepared to take on at this time. So, you gotta do you. You got it. All right. I think that covers Pack South pretty well. Is there anything else from that weekend that you guys wanted to mention? Uh, draft was really fun. So mm, I really liked. Uh, had a lot of fun with that. So yeah, I think more more limited stuff. Um, you know, we definitely like the seal tournament and more drafts and things like that. Uh, I think that's some good stuff to look forward to for sure. Yeah, I, I can only imagine going into PAX East in... How, how long is it, Mandy? My computer shut off, so my countdown went away. Oh. 64 days and something. Okay. I feel really sad now that my countdown is gone. It's all right. Well, PAX, uh, PAX East is coming up next, and I'm excited because it is going to be a four-day convention, and I, I can only imagine what they might have in store for us, so think it's going to be a lot of fun 64 days 11 hours 19 minutes and 45 seconds there you go <laughs> as of this recording yes <laughs> east.packsite.com if you want the most updated countdown perfect we'll, bookmark we'll, it. we'll put a link to that in the show notes too there you go. That. <laughs> all right well thank you guys once again so much for coming on the show it's been a blast to hang out with you guys in person online whatever the case may be uh, for people who might be listening for the first time, though, why don't you give us a quick rundown of where we can get a hold of you if they want to talk about Light Seekers? Uh, you can find us collectively at Superior Seekers on Twitter and on YouTube. And I am at Bover the Seeker on Twitter. I am Seeker Lifesaber um, on Twitter. And then we also do have a Facebook that is Superior Seekers. And also on the OLL, the Online Light Seekers League on Discord. Oh, and a website. We made that. So <laughs> www.superiorseekers.com. There is one blog post and not much else up there. <laughs> but it exists, so well, there's that. You have time to fix that, so we'll see <laughs> what's up there by the time this goes live. I'll there be sure go. to put links to all of those things in the show notes for anybody who's interested in checking them out. And I hope um, this isn't the last time we'll have you on the show, I'm sure. And I, I, I like I said, I've had a great time. I'll, I look forward to seeing you soon, and I'll talk to you even sooner. Definitely. That just about wraps up episode 19 of Need More Buffs. 
Big thank you once again to Mandy and Bova for taking time out to chat with me. A quick reminder that as of this recording, we are only three weeks out from the release of Lightseekers Mythical. That means you only have two weeks left to get your pre-orders in and lock in that special pre-order price. You will still be able to purchase boxes after that time period, but if you want to get the special pre-order price, you need to have your orders in before March 13th. If you're in the U.S., you can simply go to deliverycrab.com slash pre-order and you'll find all the information you need there. If you're in the UK though, you also have the opportunity to pre-order now. I know both heroicstarfish.com and vitalizingfrog.com are offering pre-orders at this time as well. I know we're all very excited for the upcoming set, Lightseekers Mythical. There's been a lot of great discussion going on in the Lightseekers TCG Facebook group that we started. You can find a link to that in the show notes as well. But that's all we have for you this week. You guys are keeping me really busy, so it's time to go make some more deliveries.